Jesus calls all of us to go and make disciples of all nations. The people of Sugar Creek are passionate about helping people in need and introducing them to the love of Jesus, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. At Sugar Creek, we're committed to making Christ known here in our community and all across the world because he's given us a mission and a purpose to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. We're not a little church. We are a mighty army. Well, good morning, Sugar Creek. How's everybody doing? <clears throat> okay, that was pretty pitiful. Let's try that again. Good morning, Sugar Creek. How's everybody doing? That's good. I need the left side to catch up to the right side. Has the Lord been good to anybody over here on the left side? Oh, my God. Let's try this side. Has the Lord been good to anybody over here on this side? That's what I like to hear. Hey, my name is Johnny Moore. If you don't know me, where you been? Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, my name is Johnny Moore, and I have the privilege of serving as the group's pastor here at our Sugarland campus. I, I'm also privileged uh, to work with our young adults. We call ourselves the collective. Uh, we're AIDS. Y'all don't even sound young. Let's try that again. I have the privilege of working with some young adults. They're energetic. Um, we call ourselves the collective. There we go. That sounded better. If you're in this room between the ages of 18 and 30, if you're praying that God would take you back to the ages of 18 and 30, I'd love to meet you outside in the lobby after this sermon today. What a blessing and a privilege it is to stand here, and I'd be remiss if I did not recognize our great lead pastor, Dr. Mark Hartman, for the opportunity. Can we just give a hand for a wonderful wonderful visionary and wonderful leader that we have in him. Uh, this is my first time on the main stage outside of doing announcements, so this is going to be a little bit longer than I have for announcements. So uh, let me remember uh, to welcome all of our friends that are watching us online. Thank you so very much uh, for uh, viewing us and worshiping with us. Uh, I have some cousins and I have some family members at my Missouri City campus uh, led by Pastor Xavier. Thank you so much for joining as well. And our Richmond Rosenberg campus, thank you so much uh, for being a part of our worship on today. Let me dive right in because I know that you have brunch plans that you're thinking about even right now. If you're smiling, you're telling on yourself. Hey, anybody still do New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Show of hands. Okay. It's a little bit of us. The rest of you guys have everything together? You good? No need for resolutions. That's cool. Um, every year I have New Year's resolutions. At the beginning of this year, like every year, my resolution was to get back in the gym. I wanted to get back in the gym. Uh, a couple of years ago, you know, reached a milestone in age, over 40 now. I'm trying to keep up with my young adults, trying to play basketball with them without seeming winded um, and seeming old. And uh, I just need to get back in the gym. I'm not as in good a shape as you are, Pastor Parker, but I'm trying to get on it. Um, I was so serious about this. I got a trainer. I got a trainer. Um, his name is Pastor Mason, so if you're watching. Uh, sometimes when he was training me, I wondered whether he was a believer or not. Um, 
he, he would just push me in ways I just thought was ungodly. And uh, as we were working out, he would help me um, with my upper body workouts. You know, we work on biceps, triceps, shoulders, uh, back. Oh, that hurt. Um, and I got pretty good at it after a period of time, uh, working through it, uh, about four to six weeks, really got in the rhythm. I wasn't as sore as in the morning. Anybody make sounds when you get out the bed? Yep, that's my over 40 crowd. Um, and um, I'm trying to make it uh, to the gym very early in the morning. And uh, this one workout, he totally blindsided me. This is what he said, Pastor Ben. He said, today we're going to work on legs. And work on legs. Um, legs is not my preference of choice while working out. I, I prefer to stay above the belt. That's, that's not my strong place. Uh, but he says, to, to make sure that you're completely whole and strong, uh, you have to work on the lower body as much as you work on the upper body. If you don't, you'll find yourself in a place of imbalance. Uh, you look like you work out, sir. Um, uh, I wanted to be balanced, but I didn't want to put in the work I needed for my lower body. Uh, he says, we're going to work and make sure you have trunks. And I told him, I'm good with limbs. I I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I I'm good. I, I wear pants all the time. I, I, don't, I don't need to show anybody. Uh, I I'm really good. I wear pants to the beach. Um, I'm, I'm great. Uh, he's like, no, no, no. You gotta have to make sure that this is a full body workout. Dare I compare our full body workout to our proclivity to major in the great commission, but minor in the great commandment. Many of us come to church and we worship on a weekly basis. We check our box of worship. We check our box going to connect groups because you're in a connect group, right? Yeah, I'm... I'm the group's pastor. Let me show off. No, I won't do that. Um, <laughs> you go to your connect group and uh, you're building yourself and you're uh, making sure that you're sharing with believers and they're growing their relationship with Jesus Christ. But there's also uh, a great commandment. The great commandment tells us that we should love. Uh, the great commission tells us we should lead. I believe that we've gotten to a place to where we're leading more than we are loving. We, we quote more scriptures than we are doing life with sinners. And Jesus was the perfect model of being a lover or a friend of sinners. He did not love the sin. He absolutely hated the sin, but he loved the person. And all of us need to get back to the place to where we are loving as much as we are leading came across a YouTube clip, Madison, and uh, it was of a, fa a, a famous comedian. Uh, this comedian is known to be an atheist. He says at the end of one of his shows that night, a believer approached him. He was a large guy, he says. And, and this large guy comes and presents him with a pocket Bible. He gives him this pocket Bible and then goes on to share the gospel with a known atheist, a man 
that does not believe in organized religion, a man that doesn't believe that there is a God at all, and yet this believer goes across the room boldly and shares the gospel with him. And in retrospect, this comedian uh, records a video and says, I appreciated that believer because although I don't believe that there is a God at all, he cared enough to walk across the room and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He then absolutely blew me away with the last question that he asked. He said, how much do you have to hate someone not to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? If that is your conviction that you believe that Jesus saves, that Jesus heals, that Jesus delivers, that Jesus sets free. How much do you have to hate someone not to share what you believe to be life-changing with someone, not to share what you believe to be the thing that changes your eternity and where you will reside? And my question is to us, Sugar Creek Baptist Church, how much love are we showing versus how much hate we're showing by not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a passage of scripture found in Luke, the fifth chapter. Gives us a detail, a very familiar story. Four friends get together and they bring their paralytic friend to Jesus. Before we enter into our text, the Bible says that they heard that Jesus was in town and they knew where Jesus was located. I love this part of the text because it speaks to a silent character in the scripture. That silent character is an individual that was shouting from the rooftop that Jesus is near. I know that doesn't excite you this morning as much as I expected it to, but can I tell you, we should be overly indulged with the excitement that comes with Jesus Christ because we understand that in the presence of Jesus, we can receive whatever we need. In the presence of Jesus, we find our joy. In the presence of Jesus, we find direction for our questions of life. In the presence of Jesus, we find happiness. In the presence of Jesus, we find salvation in the presence of Jesus. We find everything that we stand in the need of. And when I'm told of the good news that Jesus is near, it moves me. It excites me. It reminds me of what Jesus did in my life. Thank you for that one amen. And these four friends hear that Jesus is nearby. And they make it their business to get their friend to Jesus. Let's read what it says in Luke, the fifth chapter, 17th verse. Let's read. It says, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof. 
and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. What a powerful story of four friends that loved their friend enough to bring him to Jesus. Many of us often see ourselves as the four friends, but, but I'd like to put a special illumination on the paralytic guy. Because I believe, I believe that everyone under the sound of my voice this morning has a paralytic friend. You, you have someone that maybe is not physically debilitated, but maybe they're sin sick. They find themselves without a savior. They find themselves in a dark, dismal, desperate place for Jesus in their lives. And far be it from all of us. I know you've heard this story before. I know that you can preach it better than I can, but I believe that it serves us notice that we need a reminder that there are sick people in our lives and God has not just commissioned us, he's commanded us to have love, not just for ourselves, but to have love for our neighbors, even as we love ourselves. So the question is, how do we show love to our friends? Family, I believe that we show love for our friends by offering them Jesus Christ. It's rather simple, but I think it's profound. That we don't have the power within ourselves to change anyone. Side note, women, if you're trying to change that man, you can't do it. Got one amen on the right side. Let me try the left side. Man, if you're trying to change that woman, you don't have the power to do it. Only Jesus has the power to transform. Only Jesus has the power to change. You cannot manipulate someone into change. You can't buy someone into a place of change. Real change only happens in the heart, and you don't have the power over anyone's heart. Only he has the power over the heart. And when we see Life change happens. It happens in the heart. And God has the heart in the hollow of his hand. I, I don't know about you, but I praise God this morning for our dashboard. Pastor Johnny, what in the world are you talking about? Um, in my car, I need the dashboard because my dashboard gives me indicators of the health and the position of my car. It helps me know when I'm running out of gas. Ladies, anybody on E right now? I figured you were. Um, ignoring the indicator on the dashboard. Don't laugh too hard, your wife is sitting next to you. Maybe there's an indicator that uh, you're in need of an oil change. Lastly, this is mine. I have an indicator they have a low tire pressure. This is good to me because I have so much going on in my mind I just jump in the car, I push the start button, and I'm on my way. Ignoring the fact 
that there is something that's going on with my car that could cause me to be in further danger if I don't attend to it. Family, this morning I'm coming to you with some indicators in our spiritual life that if we don't attend to those things, we'll overlook some areas of opportunity to get our friends to Jesus Christ. And for your careful consideration, I'd like to offer those to you this morning. Is that okay? All right, let's go. Number one, the first indicator that I have for you on your spiritual dashboard is intentionality. You see, an intention. An intentional believer develops a plan to share Jesus Christ with their friends. Much like these friends in the text, they develop a plan to get their friend to Jesus. They're not just talking about it. They're doing something. And I know within ourselves, we have great intentions that we want to share the gospel with someone that is close to us, but I caution us not to go on meandering through life, wanting and wishing and hoping to share Jesus Christ with our family and our friends and never developing a concrete plan to share Jesus with them. Verse 18 reminds us that they had a plan. They were going to get a mat. They were going to get a, a small bed and uh, pick their friend up because he was paralytic and bring him to Jesus. In developing a plan, I think, number one, we should live an authentic life in front of our friends. Why would you say we need to live an authentic life in front of our friends? Because if the truth be told, many of our family and friends will only read the Bible of your life. Maybe they will never crack open a Bible. Maybe they will never come to a worship service. Maybe they will never view us online, but they're looking at your life. They're looking at the authenticity of your obedience to your God. They're looking to see if you are serving and worshiping him because many of us have our church face that we come with every Sunday morning and we smile and we look better than we really are. But your family and your friends really know who you are behind closed doors. So for us to be able to share the gospel with them, we have to be living a life that is authentic. This generation, this society is looking for authenticity. They're not looking for perfection. They're not looking for you to dot every I and cross every T. They're looking to see someone that has issues, someone that is pressing past how they feel, someone that is pressing past what they are battling, battling with and still believing God to be what they need him to be. So in your intentionality, I believe it behooves us to live an authentic life in front of our friends. Number two, if you're waiting to fill in your blank, it's establish. We should establish a lifestyle of invitation. Many of us only invite on special days, God and Country Day, Easter, Christmas, Mother's Day. Anybody invite anybody for Father's Day? We'll talk about that another time. But I believe we need to develop and establish a lifestyle of invitation. Every place that you go is an opportunity to invite someone to Christ. I believe that we should resolve in priority to invite people to get to know Christ before we invite them to church. 
Because it could be possible that they never make it into these four walls. But the church was never a building. You are the church. I'll say that again. The church is not these four walls that we're in and we're comfortable. No, the church is you. And we need to start inviting people to get to know Jesus Christ on a more personable basis. Number three, we need to tell our friends about Jesus. It's interesting that you tell your friends about your relationships. You tell your friends about rearing your children. You you tell your friends, let let me tell you, I tell my friends about my three-year-old son. I tell my friends about how excited I am when he says, Daddy, will you give me water, please? Man, that does something to me. I share about the success that I believe the Tennessee Titans will have. Before you laugh, you share your faith in the Houston Texans. So let's get that clear before we have any disagreements in here. How much more do you prioritize a living savior over your favorite NFL team? How much more is it important to you to share about the goodness of Jesus? Your question is, Pastor Johnny, I don't know how to share. I don't have an eloquent uh, um, speech. I don't have a pitch to them. What do I do? It's number four. Share your personal testimony. If you don't know the three circles, you know what he did for you. You know how he changed your life. You know how he rescued you from bad company that was taking you down a dark place. You know how he blessed you and how he delivered you from that addiction. You know how he blessed you with that spouse that you know you don't rightfully deserve. You know how God has blessed you tremendously to have the children that you have, to have graduated college, to have gotten through college, even through your party years, and still to be blessed to work on the job that you work on right now. The Lord has done so much for us. We have endless amount of things that we can share as a part of our testimony. But the question is, are you willing to share what he's done or are you intimidated to share the goodness of Christ? I get intimidated. When I, when I go into the store and I see a person that's of a Mideastern nationality, I immediately think, there's a little judgment over here. Yeah, the pastor sometimes gets intimidated because I'm wondering, will they receive me? I'm wondering if I share Christ with them and the conversation doesn't go wrong, when I come back to this place of doing business, will it then be awkward? And I don't want to mess up our relationship because we have a pretty good thing going right now. And I'd rather not share the goodness of the gospel with him because that will make our interactions awkward. But at some point, I got to move past that place of intimidation and fear and not say they're no for them. Because that's what we do. When we don't share Jesus Christ, we give their no for them. 
We give excuses as to why they won't receive the gospel and someone is waiting for an opportunity to hear good news. God knows the news is filled with bad news, killings, robbery. This world is seeking for good news. What better news than the gospel? What better news than to know that Jesus saves? Number one, we need to be intentional. Number two, we need to be persistent. We need to be persistent no matter what. You see, these four friends had an opportunity to no longer be persistent. I want you to think in your mind, they're carrying this man, this paralytic man on this mat. And during their travel, they have belief that God, that Jesus will heal him. But when they get to the place where Jesus is, it's packed. You can't find a place to get in. Maybe this is their opportunity to say we did the best we could. We tried to get him to Jesus, but there's no way in. Let's just go back home and maybe we can wait another day. But they were persistent. I believe that someone, the Bible doesn't say this, but with my spiritual imagination, y'all just entertain me. I believe that someone in the crowd, someone amongst these four friends says, if we come this far, we will not go back home because we've gotten this close to Jesus. We've gotten our friend this close to Jesus. We got him this close to his miracle. We will not allow a packed audience or a packed house stop us from getting our friend to Jesus. So they pick him up. They take him upstairs. They take him to a roof. They literally get on their hands and their knees because in context of the New Testament there, they didn't have roofs like we have with shingles. It was made of mud, straw, stick. So what they had to do was get down on their knees and literally crawl, claw through the dirt. Can I pause there parenthetically and let you know sharing the gospel can get muddy. It's not a clean work all of the time, but it requires persistence. And even after it got through the mud and the straw, there were sticks there, large logs that they would have to break through. When you're sharing the gospel, there'll be times where you'll need to break through. Years of disbelief in Jesus Christ. Years of another belief in a small G-O-D. But no matter what, they continue to dig, crawl through the mud to get their friend to Jesus. In their persistence, number one, they press through rejection. Can I tell you, unfortunately, every time you share the gospel, that individual will not receive you every time. But the question is, can you persevere even through the rejection? I believe, number two, that we can show love through your perseverance. It is the love that I can see, not in words, but in their deeds, by how they continue to persevere, to get their friend to Jesus Christ. So again, we need to be intentional. We need to be persistent, but we also need to have a level of faith. 
Why do we need to have a level of faith? Because I believe in our level of faith, there are people that are in our lives that need us to believe that Jesus can and will forgive them of all of their sins. It's right there in the verse, verse 20, Jesus looks at the friends, not the man. And Jesus says, because of their faith, he'll heal, he'll forgive the man. Because of their faith, he receives forgiveness. Question, who is waiting on you to exercise your faith for them to receive Jesus Christ? I wonder what family member that knows that you're a believer, knows that you come to church every Sunday at 9.30. They've heard the stories of your connect group, but they're just waiting on you to exercise that faith to ensure that they can hear that Jesus can save, that Jesus can heal. If we don't exercise that level of faith to believe that Jesus can save and heal, we miss an opportunity to see life transformation happen in every aspect of our lives. Can I caution us? Can I light a fire under someone to have enough faith to share the gospel? To have enough faith to believe and trust God again to see life transformation happen even in some of the worst situations that you've ever seen in your life. God can heal. God can save. God can deliver. God can set free. But he's waiting on us to be an active participant in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in our activation of our faith, then God puts his super on our natural to experience the supernatural to see lives changed, to see lives converted, to see lives turned around, but it will only happen when we exercise our faith in Jesus Christ. Must be intentional. We must be persistent. We must have faith. This is my last point. So you can get ready to make your reservation. We must exercise a life of prayer. Prayer. Yes, prayer. You see, every morning I get up and I pray. I thank him for my day. I thank him for the ability to see a new day. I also pray for my son, that God would shield him, God would protect him, that God would help him to stop hitting in class. I pray for my mom and my dad that are in Tennessee, reached their age of retirement, praying that God would bless them in this new season of their lives. Pray for my sister. I pray for my 13-year-old niece that is exposed to things at the age of 13 I would never dream of. You notice something about my prayer? My prayer is totally consumed with me and mine question family when was the last time you prayed for someone else when was the last time you prayed specifically that God 
would save an individual. When was the last time that you prayed, number one, for an opportunity to share the gospel? When was the last time you said, God, when I go to the barbershop, or when you go to the barbershop, Wait a minute, it was a lot of laughter over here. <laughs> Lord, when I sit in that chair, let me have more to talk about than just what's going on in my finances or in my family. Lord, give me an opportunity to share the gospel. Ladies, when you go, get your manicure, trying to see if you're gonna get dip or shellac. You didn't think I would know that. What color you're going to choose? Is there any space or place that you can insert a positive word about the gospel? Ladies, when you go and get your hair done for seven hours, I, I don't know what you guys do in there. When you get your hair braided for four to five hours, is there an opportunity while you're there scrolling Instagram, scrolling Facebook, to share the gospel? I think it's incumbent upon us to pray for an opportunity. Number two, I think that we should pray that God would soften the hearts of the people that we share the gospel with. You understand that the power of a seed is relegated by the power of the soil that is placed in two. If I go out and throw seed on concrete, I'm probably not gonna see any flowers grow. But I throw it on good ground, I look for a return on the seed that is planted. So every day with intentionality, every day with persistency, I'm going to begin to pray to God that he would soften the heart of the individual that he gives me the opportunity to share the gospel with. But number three, I think we should pray to God that he would soften our hearts. Because I believe at some point or another, we become cold and callous with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about us four and no more. My family is good. My finances are great. My investments are on the up. My career is going wonderful. And we've lost the softness of our hearts. We no longer bleed because people are dying going to hell. We no longer lose sleep because people are in a paralytic state and they need Jesus Christ. But my prayer for us is that God would soften our hearts again. That he give us a desire to see people saved. Because I believe that every one of us is in one of three categories. Either you're the person that's telling people about Jesus. Or maybe you're carrying people to Jesus. Or maybe this morning you're the one on the mat that needs to be carried to him. Guys, I brought something up because I knew that my words wouldn't, be, wouldn't qualify. But I wanted to show you what this looks like. Guys, will you come and help me? Elijah, would you come with those guys? I, I want to literally show you, really, really quick, young guys. Come on, I don't have very much time. The clock on the wall says my time is up. But I wanted to show you what this looks like. If you'll open that up for me. 
I didn't have a mat, but I had a sleeping bag. So it was the closest thing I could get to a mat. I thought these guys worked out, but maybe not. <laughs> I don't know how many people it takes to get a mat out. I- imagine him being on this mat. I-, I think I'll get on the mat. I don't think he had a blazer. So I'll, I'll get on the mat. Um, I'm taking a risk. <laughs> taking a risk of being on this mat. Um, yeah, y'all can lower it a little bit. Is anybody praying persistently right now? No, y'all laughing and still not praying. I, I believe this guy gets on the mat and he has an opportunity uh, to get to Jesus. Dead weight, but he's being lifted. He's being lifted. Can you shift me so I can see them a little bit? There we go. I bet you didn't think you was going to see this at church today, did you? (laughs) I'm a heavy lift because I'm dead weight. But the people in your life are as well. They need you to lift them and bring them to Jesus. In the process of being lifted, you take the risk of being dropped. But Sugar Creek, from this day forward, can we work persistently to no longer drop people, to no longer drop them in the place of sickness that they're in, but to take up their mats and bring them to Jesus Christ. Because after all, he's the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the light. Let us not shine or let our light be hidden under a bushel. He wants us to shine our light. Before they drop me, Can I tell you that your friend is waiting on you to lift him? Your friend is waiting on you to bring them. Shift me to the right side, because I think it's a section over there that didn't get the point. (laughs) Hey, look at me. He's waiting. She's waiting. The question is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for to be intentional to share the gospel? What are you waiting for to exercise the faith that God has given you. Don't waste another prayer on just yourself, but pray for them. Please let me down. (laughs) Felt like James Brown. I thought he was gonna put that over my shoulders. (laughs) Guys, If you heard nothing else, let's get back to loving and then let our love lead people to Christ. Father, thank you for this opportunity to share the gospel, the good news with my brothers and my sisters. There are so many people that are waiting to hear the transforming gospel of your son. Would you ignite us again to share what you've done in our lives? I pray from this day forward that we would never forget your goodness, your love, your grace, and your mercy. 
And I pray it is with that thought that would prompt us to share the good news with a dying world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.